Welcome to Sunday night service. It is great to have everybody with us together tonight. And so uh, for the next few weeks, you may be wondering, hey, where's everybody at on Sunday nights? They're all next door at Financial Peace University. It, it's the biggest FPU class we've ever had. So there's like 30 or 40 people um, over there uh, going through the FPU class, which is awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, you may not see as many people on Sunday nights for the next few weeks, but praise God, we're really, really glad that uh, so many people are doing FPU. That's what we want. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and get things started tonight. Let's go ahead and stand up together this evening. Amen. We're going to go ahead and open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. 
God. And we've been doing this for two solid years now. And uh, I just believe that the Lord is hearing our words. Amen. So let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, we'll get in to our reminders and our announcements. Okay, and so I, I think we're getting close to where I don't have to announce this anymore, but no food or drink in the sanctuary except for water or your communion elements. All right, we're getting close where I'll just I'll quit talking about this. And also, uh, we're just asking that you don't sit in the coffee bar during service unless, uh, you know, you are in need of some special assistance or, uh, or something like that. So thank you for helping out with that. Haven't had too many bad attitudes about that, which, you know, I really appreciate it. So good job, everybody. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you. Love me, don't you? Okay, so let's go ahead and get into our announcements. Um, this Friday night is going to be the Marrieds Night for all the married people. Amen. Uh, this Friday night at 6.30, child care is provided. And it's going to be an Italian-themed uh, pitch-in dinner. So bring an Italian dish to share, and it's going to be great. Now, you can register online at hdwc.org slash married, and that'll help us uh, to get an accurate uh, head count and uh, know how to plan for the child care and everything, all right? And then a couple other quick reminders. We uh, do have a weekly men's Bible study that is rolling now, and it's uh, Saturdays at 6.30 p.m., at Raymond's house. And so, again, uh, as we said this morning, everyone knows where Raymond lives. So, you know, just show up if you're a dude, okay? So, Saturdays at 6.30, and, uh, and uh, this is a weekly thing for the guys. And, of course, we still have our monthly first Saturday of every month, men's breakfast. And, in fact, that'll be this Saturday, 9 a.m. men. This Saturday in Victory Hall will be our monthly men's breakfast. We want to see you there. And here's another exciting one. I mean, the Lord's just opening up all sorts of great things at the beginning of this year. But we are beginning a beginner's Bible class uh, for those that are kind of brand new uh, to the Bible or brand new to the Word. And maybe you've even been in church a couple years, but we have so many people ask the question, I, I want to read the Bible. I don't know where to start. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't even know how to get to this. And so uh, we're going to be doing a four-week class. Miss Rosa Linda Palakiko, one of our elders, is going to be uh, teaching this class for us. It'll be in Victory uh, uh, Admin Building, sorry, <laughs> the Admin Building, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. It'll be a short class, 20, maybe 30 minutes, uh, but we really want to help uh, help you uh, learn where to start reading the Bible and how to understand what you're reading, all right? And so it'll be very basic, but we're really excited about that, all right? Very good. Well, I think that's all the announcements that we have for tonight, so... Who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it is happy time. Mrs. Pastor is going to come on up 
this morning and do this evening. <laughs> I'm all over the place. This whatever that I don't know what time it is. Six o'clock. All right, it is uh, this evening, and she's gonna do our Sunday night tithes and offerings. Amen. There we go. <laughs> Hallelujah, everybody. How's everybody doing? Blessed. Thank you, Melinda. She's nice and loud. You must. Did you have your Sunday afternoon nap? Okay, so that's why she's awake and alive. <laughs> and Trinity's jealous because she didn't get her nap. Okay, well, so much for that. All right. Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm in the New King James. This is an offering scripture, not a tithing scripture. It says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So I can't help, us, us Indiana folks can't help, but every time we read this, we have to make this comment. So if you have a farmer in Indiana that's sowing 3,000 acres of corn, he's going to get quite a harvest. If you have somebody else who's sowing a third of an acre of corn, he's not going to get as much. So you get the, you get the, the picture, okay? So it is with our giving, okay? Verse 7, so let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart. So that's why I say this is offering scripture, because a tithing scripture, you don't purpose in your heart. It's 10% goes to the Lord. But when we're given offerings, we purpose in our hearts. You, what would I like to give, you know? Or once in a while, the Lord will tell you what you're going to give, and then you just be obedient to do it. Okay, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance to every good work. How do you like those? That promise. All sufficiency, all things, every good work. Amen. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. <clears throat> now, let me tell you what this means. Every once in a while, you may get, you know, you get a check unexpectedly in the mail. Somebody gives you some money, something. That's extra above and beyond. And so what you do with that money is you say, Lord, is this seed or is this feed? In other words, Lord, have you given me this money to sow, which would be seed, or is this feed, which means I can, you know, buy whatever I want to buy with it. You understand what I'm saying? So there's a difference between seed and feed. But let me read this again, verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed sown and increase the fruits to your righteousness. So uh, another King James says uh, seed for the sower and bread for the eater or something like that. I forget how it's worded. So anyway, verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving to us, to God. So bottom line is, be thankful. Amen. All right. Let's stand up and say our financial faith uh, confession. And then we'll go into praise and worship. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, 
bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increased. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want, you can join us at the altar for praise and worship. Let's worship the Lord together tonight. Worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Of heaven, you conquered the grave, you free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. Hallelujah. 
above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. You dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You have done great things. God, you do great things. Jesus, I can't get enough. I can't walk away. And I can't walk away. No, I can't walk away. For I have seen your face. just want to be near your heart. There's nothing. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. I can't get enough. And I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough. your amazing love Jesus I can't get enough and I can't walk away no I can't walk away for I have seen and I can't walk away and I just want to be where you 
Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Let's sing that again. Holy, 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 holy. Jesus, I. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Praise the Lord. Let's raise our hands and for just a minute tonight.
we raise our hands as a sign of surrender. And Lord, we're asking you to have your way in our lives, Lord. We fully rely on you, Jesus. We understand that apart from you, we can't do anything at all. And so, Lord, we admit it. We need you every step of the way. We need you every minute of every day. We are lost without you, but we thank you, Jesus, that we are not without you because you are with us, Lord. Then you said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. You said, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so, Jesus, you are with us right now. No matter what it is we face, no matter what it is we're going through, we're not going through it alone. You're right there with us. We love you and we praise your name tonight. And we ask that you would have your way in this service, Lord. Say what you need to say. Do what you need to do. We are surrendered. We are yours, Father. We love you and we praise your holy name in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give him some praise tonight? Amen. Give somebody a nice little high five on your way down there. <laughs> Let them know you're glad they're here tonight. Amen. You know, it's a big deal when there's a California team playing an NFL playoff game and y'all still came to church. I mean, I, that says a lot. Amen. <laughs> Thank I agree. Thank you, Trinity. She said, this is so much more exciting. And I'm like, hey, I feel it. I, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength there. So, Praise the Lord. Well, um, I haven't done a Sunday night sermon in quite a while. It's been about three months, I think, if I'm adding it up right. So I'm excited to be uh, getting to do the Sunday night service this week. And uh, we're going to dig into the Word of God here. I was praying about, Lord, you know, what is it that we need to talk about tonight? And so we're going to be talking about this, the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. Now, this is a pretty well-known uh, scripture here, but this is something that I really want you to get a hold of tonight, the good fight of faith. So let's go ahead, and uh, we're going to open up to this verse here, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, and we'll read this in the New King James here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse 12. Amen. And, uh, you know, who in here has just realized that sometimes there's some fights that you have in life? Amen. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't, you know, if you're like me, you're not looking for one, but sometimes it's looking for you. And, you know, what do you do? Well, spiritually speaking, we're told how to handle this. Amen. And, and so let's see this here. First Timothy 6. In verse 12, in the New King James, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, there is a lot of wonderful things in this verse right here. And I like what Kenneth Hagin says. He's like, he thinks some Christians read this and they just stop after the first word, Fight! They're ready to fight anybody and everything. And well, hold on. No, the verse continues. You're, you're not just called to go around fighting, but you are called to fight the good fight of what? Faith. The good fight of faith. And so one thing my dad always says, well, what's a good fight? 
I think a good fight is the fight that you actually win, amen? I don't care if some people are like, it was a good fight, man, you know, they went this long and he got this happened to him, but man, he put up a good fight. Well, listen, I'm not interested in that. I want to win, amen? And so we do win when we're doing it in Christ Jesus. Now, I do know this much, and you know, to be totally transparent, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I love people. <laughs> but I'm not a fighter. I, I don't go around. It's not me. But spiritually speaking, I can tell you how to fight because, hey, I have been through some spiritual battles. And, and just in the, my life, man, when I had cancer and was crippled and, and I, I, was a, I was a kid, but my parents, man, they fought the good fight against what seemed like insurmountable odds, but they stuck with it and we won the victory. Now, when we're speaking of spiritually fighting or in, you know, we know that sometimes the fight is super fast. Who likes that when man, it's a quick fight, you win and it's over. And then I'm also aware that sometimes the fight takes a little while, you know? Sometimes it doesn't just happen instantly like we want it to. But the good news is this, is that either way, we are always promised victory in Christ Jesus. Now, I was, you know, I always, whatever topic I'm going to preach on, I got to research and study. And so some fights are really fast. I read that on November 4th, 1947, a fighter named Mike Collins knocked out Pat Brownson in four seconds in the Golden Gloves tournament. A four second victory, just one hit and the guy went down. And then one of the longest fights in recorded history uh, happened in 1893, April 6, 1893. Anybody remember back? Okay, you know, so I don't know. I didn't. You know. So, uh, but a guy named Andy Bowen fought Jack Burke in a professional boxing match that lasted 110 rounds. And this was back. You ever seen those old pictures when they they squared up like this to fight somebody? You know. Uh, but but the fight lasted seven hours and nineteen minutes, and the winner of the fight broke all the bones in both of his hands and was bedridden for six weeks. And he was the winner. And I'm like, did you really win, Jack? <laughs> did you really win? And, and and so listen, we get it that sometimes it doesn't always happen instantly. Sometimes, man, you do have just a, I mean, a quick deal. And then sometimes you're in it for a little bit. But either way, we are holding on and fighting the good fight of faith. And we are going to win if we don't give up. Can we get an amen on that tonight? Amen. And so... um I've got a few introductory things and then we'll kind of get into the main message. But I want to tell you this. When we're talking about fighting the fight of faith, the fight of faith. Listen, okay, I'm going to go a little deep on you, but I want you to get this. The fight of faith is not a fight to obtain something that doesn't belong to you. All right. You're not fighting for peace and joy. I'm going to fight for it. It's not mine, but you know, I'm going to fight for it. No, the fight of faith is a fight to defend and keep what Jesus already won for you when he defeated Satan in hell and when he resurrected. Okay. And so Satan is trying to steal things out of your life that rightfully belong to you because of your position in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus promised us he, when he died on the cross and resurrected, you know, so often we just get caught up in, well, you know, at least I don't have to go to hell now, but check it out. That's the truth. That's the biggest thing. But 
you don't have to live a miserable existence until you die someday and go to heaven. Listen, you can have peace on earth right now. And we aren't promised that all of our surroundings will always be peaceful, but we are promised a peace which surpasses all understanding in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If Satan is trying to beat you down with depression and anxiety and stress, he's trying to steal the peace that already belongs to you. So you're not fighting to get peace. You are fighting from a position of victory. What I'm telling you tonight is this. Don't see yourself as the underdog, the always happen to, you're at the bottom of the barrel, always trying. No, you are a son and a daughter of God Almighty. You are fighting from a position of victory. Satan is the thief and he's trying to steal what rightfully belongs to you. Do you see that tonight? And so if you're the heavyweight champion and you have a a fight scheduled, you're not fighting to win the belt and become the champion. You're fighting to defend what's already been won. And in our case, Jesus won the victory. Jesus won it and he has given it to us. Victory belongs to us in the name of Jesus. We are fighting to defend what belongs to us. And so you're not the loser. You're not the underdog. You're not the less than and and no good. No, you are royalty in the family of God. And Satan wants to steal that from you. The fight of faith is a fight to defend what already belongs to us. Amen. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You see that. And I know my dad preached on that recently, but you're not just some victim. Quit seeing yourself as that. You are victorious. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5. So knowing this, you have to know and recognize who your enemy is. Now, I'm going to quote a lot of scriptures tonight. I've tried to put a bunch of them on the screen. There will be some that I actually have you turn to. So you're going to write some down, uh, but, you know, try to keep up because this topic, this is a very broad topic that we're going to cover in a very short amount of time. But you've got to recognize who your enemy is and heads up, spoiler alert, it's not other people. Because we always say, man, my problem is my wife. My problem is my boss. My problem is my kids. My problem is the preacher. My problem is everybody. No, people are not your problem. You can write this down. Ephesians 6, 12. It should be on the screen there, but it tells us, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That means you're not fighting against people, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So the enemy that we're fighting, it's not people. If Satan can get you trapped in always fighting people and always thinking that people are your problem everywhere you go, 
he'll just have you. It's like a dog chasing its tail. We got a little puppy at Christmas and it's adorable, but it's always chasing its tail in circles. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's you. You're fighting yourself, dude. You're never going to win this thing. And he's always chasing his own self. And that's what, you know, he's just running in circles and he never wins. I'm telling you, if you're always got all of your efforts and aim at how am I going to get back at these people? How am I going to put them in their place? How am I going to, if you're always fighting people, you're just running in circles and you're not going to win that fight. And so other people aren't your enemy. Um, it's certainly not God. You better not be fighting against God. That would be a really bad thing. Another verse, first Peter five, eight says that Satan is our enemy. Satan, first Peter five, eight, and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he is the enemy and he is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, there's a few fronts on which the enemy will attack you. Well, there's several, but, you know, he may try to attack your health. You know, Satan will try to attack your health. Uh, he's done that to me and, and every one of us in here. Uh, he'll try to attack your finances, you know. And uh, sometimes, you know, how you can tell it's an attack from the enemy. You're doing things the right way. You are tithing. You are living within your means. You're not being frivolous and just... Throwing away money on stupid things, but it seems like every time you start to catch up and get ahead, just something stupid happens. And sometimes, you know, I've been the stupid one and I know I'm the one that's my own enemy financially, but other times, listen, it's not that the enemy is coming in, just trying to land financial attacks. And I, you got to recognize that and know how to fight back against that. Uh, he will try to attack your family. Who knows that the devil does not want you to have a strong and healthy family. He wants to annihilate the Christian family. His worst nightmare is a mom and dad raising their kids in the ways of God in church, in the Bible. That is his absolute worst nightmare because you are multiplying. <laughs> you are multiplying Christians going into the world. He doesn't want that. But... What I want to tell you is the biggest battlefield, we've named several battlefields he wants to get you on, but I'll tell you, the biggest battlefield he wants to fight you on is in your mind. He wants to fight you in your mind. And why is that? Well, because most Christians don't know how to fight that battle. They don't know how to win that combat. Now, if you've been in a church like this, or, you know, a Bible teaching church, when when an attack comes on your health, a lot of Christians, I won't throw a percentage out there because I don't know, but at least a lot of Christians know when an attack comes on their health, they can say, you know what? The devil's trying to attack my health. I'm going to fight back against this thing. A lot of Christians, when an attack comes on their finances, uh, they'll, you know what? The enemy's trying to hit us financially. They at least recognize that. But what happens is so many Christians get attacked in the mind and they don't recognize that it's the devil. And they just sit there and they take hit after hit after hit after hit and the devil just pounds them down. And so we got to know how to fight this battle. And the truth is we can win this battle, but I am here to tell you through the word of God and through personal experience, all right, <laughs> personal experience that you will not 
beat the devil by fighting him in your mind. You're not going to outthink the devil. You're not. If he's attacking you with thoughts of depression and anxiety and, 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 and offense and rage and anger and all these things, you're not going to think your way out of that one. Uh, you have to fight that battle spiritually. We have been promised victory spiritually speaking. And so I can tell you that you've got to fight the good fight of faith. But when the devil starts attacking your mind, you're going to have to fight this thing God's way. And so I want you to turn to this second Corinthians 10 verses four through five, second Corinthians 10 verses four through five. And I, I, I'm, I'm preaching from the Bible and from some experience on this. Second Corinthians 10 verses four through five. This is a really good chapter here, but again, I'm going to be in the new King James on this one. Second Corinthians 10 verses four through five. And it tells us this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Well, what is carnal? That is uh, of the flesh. That is physical. And so the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons. You cannot shoot the devil. If you could, I would have done that a very long time ago. Okay. You cannot shoot him. All right. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But well, what are they? But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here's what you have to see. Please see this, okay? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so what happens when we have these, you know, I mean, I can't even begin to list all the bad thoughts the devil will try to throw at you. He'll try to throw thoughts of lust at you and get you to look at somebody in a wrong way. All right. That's a legitimate thing. He'll try to bring thoughts against you of, 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 of anger and you see the way they looked at you. No, don't, don't let them get away with that. He'll try to bring thoughts of fear. You're never going to make it. This is going to be the finally you've met the match that's going to take you down. He will try to bring every imaginable thought against you. But it tells us right here that we got to capture these thoughts and bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so one of the biggest ways that you're going to do this, okay, we're talking about the good fight of faith. All right. If you want to win this thing, I'm going to tell you right now, when the devil comes to the battlefield of the mind, and you've heard me say this, if you've been here very long, you don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight words with words. You're going to have to speak the word of God out of your mouth. Whenever he comes to you with bad thoughts, you have to do this. Okay. I'm telling you now, you have to do this. If you're going to win this, you're going to have to do this. And you're going to need to speak uh, scriptures back against the devil. When he comes back and, and attacks your health and says, man, you're probably going to die from this. You're going to need to answer with a scripture on healing. You're going to need to say, well, no, no, no. Matthew eight seventeen says that Jesus took my sickness and removed my disease. So take that. You're going to have to answer back with the word of God. And so 
I want to talk to you. I'm just getting all, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. So, so listen, let's, let's get into this. I'm going to give you two points tonight. All right. A nice Sunday night, two point sermon. Okay. Listen, talking about fighting the good fight of faith. We're going to talk about two weapons that you have tonight. Number one is the word. Okay. Number one is the word. You have to get it in your heart and you have to actually believe it. Okay. And I, I can't emphasize that enough because there's so many people that are, yeah, I know what the Bible says. Yeah, it does say that. Yes, I get it. It says that, but here's what I'm dealing with right now. Okay. Listen, you can't just get it up here. You have to get it in here. This will do you no good if you don't actually believe it. You have to actually believe the Bible. Okay. And of course, then you're gonna have to actually do what it says. But, um, in Ephesians six, we have what's called the armor of God. Are you familiar with the armor of God? And again, it's telling us that we are in warfare. We're in battle. And then Paul goes and he lists several different attributes of the Christian life and compares those uh, to the battle gear that a soldier of that day had. And so if you're reading the armor of God in Ephesians 6, you're going to see different pieces of uh, armor that the Roman soldiers of that day had. Now, in our day and age, you know, he maybe could have worded it a little different. And you've got your bulletproof vest and you've got your, you know, infrared vision and you've got, you know, modern things like that. But Ephesians six seventeen, this will be on the screen there. It says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, in that chapter, Paul lists six different things uh, of the war, of, of the armor of God, and only one of them is an offensive weapon. The rest of them are defensive weapons: uh, uh, the helmet of salvation, uh, the shield of faith, uh, the belt of truth, and and he lists all these different things. But he lists one offensive weapon, and so I'm thinking, okay, if out of all of this, I want all of those things. I need all of those things to win the battle. But if he's like, here's the one thing that is your weapon and how you're going to fight back, I think we better learn about this weapon and actually know how to use it. Your main weapon is always going to be the word of God. Do you get that? Your main weapon will always be the word of God. And you need to be very well acquainted with it. Uh, you know, in the Marines, you know, my younger brother, a lot of you met this morning is a Marine. And in the Marines, Miss Cindy's dad was a Vietnam war hero in the Marines. Legit. I'm not even making that up. But listen, in the Marines, one thing that makes the Marines really stand apart is their obsession with knowing their rifle. All right. They, they know how to take it apart and put it back together blindfolded. They know their weapon very, very, very well. And I don't claim to be a military expert, but I just know from my brother and others that just to be a basic Marine, just past uh, boot camp, just the most basic guy has to be uh, an, an expert marksman uh, according to army and other standards. Like somebody that would be like a, a, an expert marksman in one of the other branches, that's just the basic guy in the Marines that's just barely past boot camp. And why they are obsessed with knowing their rifle and how to use it. And they're very, very good. You guys know, a lot of you know that. I mean, even the guy that's a cook in the kitchen is an expert uh, rifleman in the Marines. All of them have to know exactly 
every little detail about it. And I think it would be great if Christians knew their weapon that well. Where, I mean, in the middle of the night, the enemy attacks. They don't have to say, oh man, I know there was some, some Bible verse they mentioned at church that one time. No, you instantly know. You've got one right there, ready to fire away, right in the blink of an eye. And that's how Christians should be acquainted with their Bible. Do you think you should know how to use your weapon? It, it doesn't do you much good. You know, if I, if someone hands you a weapon for warfare, but you have no idea how to use it and the enemy attacks and you're like, I don't even know which way to hold this thing. Which end is up? Which I don't even know what I'm doing here. Well, you've been given the goods, but you never took the time to learn how to use it. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good. And you know, this is a, I didn't think about this. This is a very easy plug for the beginner's Bible class starting next Sunday morning at 9am. I mean, this is a very basic beginning level of learning how to use your weapon and, and, and how to read it. But listen, you've to know how to use it. Another great verse you could write down, 1 John 5, 4. It says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What are we talking about? The good fight of faith. Well, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You're going to overcome by your faith. That's why you're fighting the good fight of faith. You're not going to overcome by your family connections. You're not going to overcome by the president. You're not going to overcome the spiritual attacks by using your fist against the devil. It's not going to happen that way. You're going to overcome by faith. And so if faith is how we overcome, you better know how to get some faith. Who knows that? Who thinks you better know how to get some faith? Amen. And so, man, here's another verse. If you've been here long, you already know what I'm going to say. Romans 10, 17. How does faith coming? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me say that again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, listen, if you want strong faith, you're going to have to get it the same way everybody else has to get it. By hearing the word of God. You've got to understand this. And so everybody's always looking for a shortcut. Everybody wants to take the easy way or, or the, you know, the quick route. But when it comes to getting faith, you're going to have to actually read the Bible and hear the word of God for yourself. That is why it is so important that you're here in church. And I'll just tell you, you know, from observation, uh, you know, been in this thing for quite a while now, you know, even just growing up in church, but there starts to be a big difference. You know, people that come once a month to church, okay, you know, God appreciates it. You know, they drive by and give their nod to God once a month. Like, hey, all right, I'm here. I'm checking in, <laughs> paying the God bill. You know, there's those people and, you know, hey, whatever. Praise God. They at least do that. Then you start to have people that they come at least once a week to church. And I start to see a different level out of them. And then you've got maniacs that come two or three times a week. They come to the men's meeting, the women's meeting, the dog club. 
Wait, we don't have a dog club, but they they come to they come to every you know they're just always wanting to be around the people of God, hearing the word of God. And my gosh, dude, these people really, really know how to fight the battle spiritually speaking. And there is a big separation between them and people that just come to church once a month or the CEO Christians. You know what a CEO Christian is? Christmas and Easter only. Okay. They come like, you know, they come twice a year. And, and so, you know, God love them, you know, whatever, but you're not going to get the victory. You're, if, if you listen, if you want to get in shape, what if two days out of the year, you did a diet two days out of the year, two days out of the year, you went to the gym. Listen, do you really think that's enough to get you into excellent physical shape? It's going to take more than that. It's going to take more. It's going to take consistency. And so I'm telling you, if you want faith, if you want strong faith, it's going to come only one way through the word of God, but it's going to have to be consistent. You won't get good at anything unless you're consistent at it. You're not going to get good at playing basketball. You're not going to get good at playing the guitar. You're not going to get good at what, you know, being a mechanic or baking a cake or, or whatever it is. You're not going to get good at it if you don't consistently do it. Consistency is key. And you've got to consistently hear the word of God. The more of God's word that you get into your heart, the more faith you're going to have. And the more you're just going to trust God. You're going to trust God even more. And if you don't actually trust God, you're not going to win the fight. And so I'm going to put another verse on the screen here. This uh, this is one of my favorite Bible verses, to be honest. I love this verse, Nahum 1-7 in the New King James. Now, that's not a very, you know, uh, super popular book of the Bible, just because, you know, not everyone goes there. But I'm just going to read this to you. Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. Now, here's what I want to get at. And he knows those who trust him. He knows those who trust in him. So listen, who believes tonight that the Lord is good? Who believes that he's a stronghold in the day of trouble? Amen. Who also knows that God knows who actually trust him and who just says that they do? I know that may not be a very fun thing to say, but the truth of the matter is this, is that he knows those who legitimately trust him and he knows those who just say, yeah, yeah, I'm trusting God. There is a difference. And you're never going to be able to fully trust him until you take his word seriously. You've got to take the word of God seriously. And so I know this much. Okay, let's just get very, very real here. I understand that not everybody has hours a day where they can just sit down and do an in-depth theological, you know, homiletical, uh, just massive in-depth expository study on the Bible and dissect every word to the exact Hebrew original letter. Okay. Some people have that time. And, uh, you know, some of us, that's our job. Okay. But I understand that the average person, I get it. Okay. When we say you need the word every day, I understand that you're raising kids, you're driving to Fort Irwin or to wherever, you're living life, you're serving in church. And so I'm going to tell you this, that 
quality. It's about quality more so than quantity. I don't want to read five chapters and not get a single thing out of it and say, well, there I did it. Let me check that off the list. I'm, I'm on track to read the Bible in a year. I have no idea what I just read, but I, I, I did it. Okay. I gave God his five. All right. I would rather really read one verse, get it down into my heart and get something out of it. Then to just say, yeah, well, yeah, I gave God his 15 minutes. And so that's done. Let's move on now. You want to get something out of it. And I, I really believe you need to read the Bible to some extent every day. And I also think that we're very blessed in our modern times that you can hear the Bible just all the time. I, Pastor Katie's got this. I don't even know what the app is. She's got some sort of an app. The Streetlights Bible app. She's listening to, you have that? Okay. I always hear my wife listening to this and it's like hip hop beats with some guy like reading the Bible and it's, it's really good, you know? And, but she's just constantly got the word going in here and, uh, and it's getting in there. And so what is this? This is hearing the word of God. And so I do believe you need to see it every day. This is the logos. Uh, the Greek word is the, the, the written word of God. And then there's the rhema. That is the spoken word of God. And it's, it's the word of God. And so you need to be getting the word in. And honestly, even though we're probably busier than any generation ever, arguably, I don't know, but we also have more resources to be able to consistently hear the word of God. I mean, if you got to drive to Fort Irwin or Victorville or wherever you drive, listen, sure, you could spend that 40 minutes listening to sports talk radio. And wow, that just puts you in a great mood. You could listen to the news the whole way there, listen to some trashy music and wonder why you're always in a foul mood. Or you could listen to the word of God. This is incredible what we have available to us here. And so I would just really encourage you, man, if you, who wants to win the fights in life? I'm just, I mean, let's just, let's at least establish that. Okay. If you want to actually win, I'm telling you now, you're not going to do it without the word of God, because that's the only way to get faith. So take this seriously, read it, listen to it, show up and hear it preached at church. I mean, you got to get really serious about this and listen to me. You will begin to have faith. You will begin to have faith when you do this, but you got to get these because this is the weapon. Amen. And when you start memorizing verses and speaking them out, you're getting ammunition in the, in the rifle. Now <laughs> you're getting some ammo that you know how to fire back whenever the fights come. All right. And so we're talking about two weapons tonight. Okay. For the good fight, number one is the word, the word. Number two is your words, your words. Amen. Good survey says good answer. Okay. All right. So no, seriously, your words, as long as they're words of faith. And so this is a core belief of our church. We don't mess around with this. We don't take our words lightly. Words are so powerful. You understand that God created the heavens and the earth with words. He didn't, you know, go get a hammer and some nails and some boards. <laughs> you know, he used words. That's such a powerful thing for us to understand that God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. God said, and you consistently see this in Genesis chapter one. And someone would say, yeah, well, that's God. Well, guess what? I'm created in the image of God. And I've been told to, you know, follow his example. I'm trying to be as much like Jesus as I can possibly be. Like one time, Kenneth Copeland, someone, he said some of his friends, uh, him and some of his friends were out, you know, praying for people and, and feeding the poor. They were just out on the streets doing ministry and somebody was jealous of them. And someone was like, man, Copeland and his friends are out there trying to act like a bunch of little Jesuses. Who do they think they are? And he's like, that's exactly what we're doing, man. <laughs> Absolutely. We're trying to act like Jesus. And I'm saying today, if you want to act like Jesus, if you want to be more like him, you'll never be him. We're not saying that, but I want to be more and more like him. Well, I'm going to learn, speak the word of God. You know, you were saved by believing and confessing, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Another verse on the screen, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. Proverbs 18, 21. I, yeah, that's it. I taught my kids a little rhyme so they could learn it on the way to school. Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. All right. And so it's the truth though. There is power in your words. Here's another one on the screen. Ro- uh, Revelation 12, 11, It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, the word of their testimony. Well, when I testify, what am I doing? I am speaking out the good things of God. Testimony always includes you speaking. If you go to court and you're going to give testimony of something, what are they expecting you to do? They're expecting you to get up there and talk about it and and say what you saw, say what you experienced, say whatever it is you need to say. But testimony means that you are speaking something out. And so I love that verse. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, here's where we're going to really turn. Mark 11. Amen. Mark 11. We're just hitting all the good ones tonight. Mark 11, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 24. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. And again, if you've been here very long, you know these verses very well too. These are foundational verses to us. Mark 11, we're going to look at verses 22 through 24, and I got to do it in the King James, Mark 11, verses 22 through 24. This is so, so important for you getting the victory. And so here it is. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Uh, That's a great first step right there. Somebody say, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Amen. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That's a lot of saying right there. Amen. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Now, that whole thing right there shows us 
the power of words. If you look earlier in the chapter, you see that Jesus cursed a fig tree with his, with his words and it dried up at the roots. And so, uh, and I think verse 21 there, you know, Peter and the boys are like, Hey Jesus, that tree you cursed dried up from the roots. And Jesus says, have faith in God for verily I say unto you. And, and, and some people would say, yeah, well, Jesus could do that. Okay. Don't get ahead of yourself. Well, how come Jesus said right there that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says, for him about sea, shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. He said, whosoever. And again, and then, and then you got the next round of religious people. We love religious people. And so they'll say, oh, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down, brother, slow down. He is talking to the 12 disciples right there. <laughs> and, 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 you know, people do dumb stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, hear me out. All right. Hear me out. So Jesus didn't say, okay, you 12, if you 12, will say into the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. He didn't say that. Uh, he said, whosoever. Now, whosoever, I looked it up, it means whosoever. <laughs> it means anybody, right? It applies to everybody. And here's the deal. The same people that trip over this verse and say, you can't say that for you. The same people have no problem whatsoever with John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The same people that say you can't use Mark 11 say, no, three sixteens for everybody, anybody. And they're right. It is for everybody. Whosoever shall believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the best news in the history of the world. Whosoever in John three sixteen, it means anybody. And whosoever in Mark eleven twenty three, it means everybody. And so how are you going to fight the good fight of faith and win? You're going to have to have the word and you're going to have to use your words filled with faith. Do you get this tonight? Amen. And so you're going to have to start speaking the word of God out. The absolute best thing that you can do when you're attacked by the enemy is literally speak God's word towards the situation. And so Remember at the very beginning here, we talked about this battlefield of the mind where the enemy tries to attack you here. This is where it is so important that you begin to speak back with words of faith. The enemy plants bad thoughts, fearful thoughts, negative thoughts. It is so crucial that you literally speak it out. And I'm telling you, don't even just try to think scriptures towards them. I'm saying actually speak it out loud out of your mouth. Well, what if someone thinks I'm a weirdo? They already do anyway. Okay. So get over it. I mean, whatever. Okay. So just speak it out. All right. It doesn't matter how weird you are. You're going to go around speaking the word of God. In fact, in Joshua one and verse eight, that's exactly what God told Joshua to do. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Well, what does meditate means? It means to repeat to yourself. And so I've got no problem if I see you walking through the store and you're like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm not going to question a thing that you're doing. Okay. <laughs> I got no, I think you should be doing that. Speak the word 
of God. It is the sword of the spirit. And so I'm going to look at one final fight tonight. And it is, I would say, arguably the most famous fight in history. It's the fight of David and Goliath. Of David and Goliath. Let's go. Who got it? Let's go. Yeah. All right. David and Goliath. And so let's go to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. And so there's something very important that you need to see out of this fight. Very, very important. 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to look at verses 41 through 49. Now, if you've ever thought that you were facing insurmountable odds, David was facing a very bleak situation. And so, you know, just a very quick little uh, recap of the story. Uh, the Philistines, right? They had got this giant named Goliath, nine feet tall. He's coming out every day and standing across the valley from the Israelites for 40 days and 40 nights. He's standing out there hurling insults at these guys, calling them names, saying, hey, you know, no one will fight me. You all are sissies and, and blah, blah, blah. Your mom's ugly. Your baby's ugly. Just saying all these bad things. All right. Just nonstop trash talking, threatening. And we've got the entire army of Israel out of 40 days, not one single person, not one man stepped up to the fight and did anything at all about it. Not one man. And so. What do we have here? We've got a teenage boy. David was a teenager. I don't know his exact age, but I've always heard, you know, 15 to 17 years old, somewhere in that range. David shows up. And isn't that just like the story we read this morning, if you were here in the book of John, where a little boy is the only one that stepped up when Jesus had 5,000 people to feed. And one little boy said, well, I don't have much, but I've got five loaves and some fish. I can give you that. And... I've just found out, man, when adults won't step up to the plate, God will use kids. So often, God will use kids because adults just, you know, they just seem to not get it. And so I'm sure there was a lot of very uh, able-bodied men that could have stepped up here, but none of them would. And so a teenager steps up. First Samuel 17, starting at verse 41. I'm going to read about eight verses here, then we're going to break something down. First. 17 verse 41 Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy he's a he's a you know a little pimple faced teenager here and look at this verse 43 am I a dog he roared at David you come at me with a stick he's like you're gonna try to fight me with a stick and he cursed David by the names of his gods Come over here and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, hey, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Woo, he's not backing down. Verse 46, David says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. 
I like stories like this. I don't got to lie. I'm going to kill you, man, and I'm going to cut your head off. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord does rescue his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Wow, that's some guts, man. (laughs) You've got the giant staring you in the face, breathing right down on you, and you go toe-to-toe with him and don't even flinch. Now, look at this, verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Amen. And so I always put it this way. What do we have here? We've got a two hit fight. He hit him. He hit the ground and it was all over people. Amen. But how did this happen? Because David said it all right there. I want you to notice something very, very important right here. Okay. In these verses, the enemy was speaking. Who knows that the enemy is going to try to speak to you. Fearful thoughts. This guy's saying, I'm going to rip you to shreds, kid. And then I'm going to feed your rear end of the birds out here, man. You're bird food for me. You're nothing. You are nothing. And then he starts cursing this kid in the names of his false gods and false idols. He's coming at him. Check it out. What? did David do? He didn't just sit there and how can I think my way out of this situation? If you put your mind to anything, you can do it. Just put your mind to it, David. No. What did David do? David spoke back to the enemy. David spoke back. He said, no, 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 you're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed you to the birds and you have, you've crossed the line now. You know, you were making fun of the guys, whatever. But when you made fun of God, you crossed a line. You went too far. There is no point of return. Now I will kill you and I will cut your head off. And that's exactly what David did. And so what I love out of this story is this again, that David spoke back. David spoke back and then he actually did it. And so I'm telling you tonight, when the enemy is speaking at you and spitting at you and huffing and puffing and I'm going to blow your house down, what do you do? You answer with the word through your words and you do what the Bible says and you fight the good fight of faith. All right, I'm going to, again, a very quick recap, all right? Break it down one more time, all right? You're fighting the good fight. There's an enemy. You are fighting right now. What are two ways that you're going to win? What are two weapons that you have? Yes, the word and your words. Learn how to use these things and watch what can start happening. But no longer let the enemy just attack your mind and run all over the place. Start speaking back and watch what happens in your life. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. That sounds like a spot to end right there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Hallelujah.
All right. So, uh, Pastor Josh is, uh, teaching FPU tonight. So, uh, we don't have him in here for, for altar time. So we're just going to have, uh, I'm going to open the altar up for prayer. I'm going to say goodbye to our live stream audience at this time. Thank you guys for joining us. You're awesome. Amen. And, uh, and I'm going to let the guys play some worship music for